Welcome, everybody. This is episode nine of the Fantasy Alarm Hockey Podcast. Man, Dewhurst. As always, I'm joined by Chris Moray. How are you today? I'm doing pretty good, Andrew. How about you? Uh, can't complain. Uh, we seem to have made it through our technical difficulties, at least for now. We'll hold our breath. Uh, and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll go from there. I think at nothing else we're doing better than the NHL schedulers. <laughs> That's hard to be worse than NHL schedulers right now. Really hard for them. I don't think they know what a quarter hour is or a half hour is. They just seem to start games when there's two zeros at the end of whatever number is in front of it. <laughs> yeah, if everyone's not playing finishing at the same time, then the terrorists have surely won. So, uh, COVID seems to have taken hold of the NHL this week. Um, we went from having some 10 game nights to having like five game nights. So we're seeing some teams, uh, in some ways benefit from this in some ways. We'll, we don't know yet how they might suffer from this. Um, but, uh, I mean, a team like Columbus, they lose McKinnon, they only have to play two games, and then they kind of get to move some, some games further back in the schedule where he, you know, he's likely going to be back. Um, we saw San Jose lose, a bunch, lose some games. They end up bringing, getting to move those games into a space where they actually get to be in their home building instead of having to play in Arizona. Uh, so for some of these teams, everything's not so bad. Um, I think some of these teams are also still hoping that uh, they're going to get fans into their buildings. So um, COVID's going to be interesting, and we're going to end up with some crazy, crazy days or weeks as we move further down the road and all these games start to get made up. Um, so uh, anything that you're seeing stand out as to how all this plays out? with all the rescheduling and all that good stuff from a rescheduling right standpoint. I think the more games get pushed back, right? The more the NHL is going to try to finish on time. So you're just going to have teams playing more games, right? In a shorter time frame. So I don't know how that's going to affect most teams. I will say this. So for, for San Jose, they haven't played a game at home, right? Um, right. So the city of, and the yeah. city of San Jose has kind of said, Hey, we're not opening it up just yet. So they do have some couple of games that they're going to play in Arizona, but it's, you know, all things considered for San Jose, right? They've played, what, 10 games this season all on the road. I think they played 12 total on the road before being able to yep. return home. Like, if you can, if you're San Jose, you can just survive the first 12 games. And by survive, whatever the record they have now is much better than, you know, a lot of other teams could have done in the same span. So the fact that they're not last, they're close, but they're not last is, you know, is a testament to them. I think for Colorado in the sense, there's a lot of teams that are just, you know, they're starting to pile up, right? And these are teams that are in the same division. So we look at Colorado, right? We look at Minnesota, who's been hit by it as well. San Jose had to deal with their things. So that's definitely something to worry about. Same thing as well for Buffalo. Buffalo's off to a terrible start. And Rolf Kruger has well, he's confirmed that he's tested positive. So that's not a good thing there. Um, Vegas comes back tonight, I think. They're, or no, they came back yesterday. What was Friday. it? Today? Sunday, Friday, right. So they came back Friday after a long uh span off as well dealing with that but from a fantasy perspective like i'm i'm having a really hard time like our league minimum is four starts for a goalie and like every week i'm like man i just need 
I need the the ghost of Tristan Jarry to just show up so I can get my four starts in in some way um, and get it done. It's been a it's it's been an absolute nightmare, right? Same thing with Mackenzie Blackwood. I own him in a couple of leagues. You know, Devils are playing ish hockey now. They're off, and Blackwood's been out of the lineup for a bit now. But it's I can sympathize with a lot of fantasy hockey players right now who are just searching for anything they can put together to get the lead, their league minimum goalie starts. If you don't have league minimums, that's another conversation to have. Congratulations to you. But I I have so many goalies like on my bench. I'm just I'm just hoarding them in the hopes that one of them starts so I can just hit league minimums. <laughs> yeah. And I mean one, if you're commission like if you're the commissioner of a fantasy hockey league right now, you need to probably like bring either get rid of your league minimum or cut it in half like per week to get that to so that people aren't like everyone that's what happened for me though right like we had eight okay and i'm at four right we have four minimum which is pretty good four goalies in a week you should probably be able to get that i just hit four yeah today with the confirmed that corpusalo is going to start so he's my fourth and and i'm sitting there going well None of these stats look good, but anything is better than the zero I'm I was expected to pop. So oh baby. Yeah. Uh and staying on the topic of goalies, um, it seems to be uh at least in the Twitter the Twitter sphere, our most popular conversation. Um, thanks to one Howard Bender who loves the idea of of trolling or I guess there's some mutual piece here. Uh, with the the love of trolling goalies, um, Frederick Anderson hopped in hopped in the DeLorean, went back in time a little bit last night, uh, delivered a, a good performance against a not offensive but not completely non-offensive Vancouver Canucks team. Um, we continue to see Sergey Bobrovsky stink. We talked about that last week. Uh, it sounds like it could be Trigger in net today, who has been very good for Florida. Um, Anton Hudobin uh, decides he doesn't want to play by the Dallas Stars rules, so we're going to see Jay Cottinger today. Um, I don't even know what to make of all this stuff, right? Like goalies are everywhere. Cutting down, cutting them down with the less of them playing makes this more difficult. Columbus is usually a place you can go to for goalies. They haven't been good. Uh, what are we doing with goalies right now? Oh, and Peter Morazic breaks his wrist, I think, or finger. No, his thumb. He broke his thumb. So uh, he broke his thumb. I know this because he's on my fantasy team that I'm like, I'm just, you know, here's, here's my goaltending situation. Okay. For, for the nobody who cares about it. Okay. So I started this season with Corpus Salo. Talbot and Mrazek. Okay. And Mrazek now has broken his thumb. Talbot was hurt and then COVID showed up. So Minnesota was not playing hockey. I was lucky enough to get Mackenzie Blackwood off waivers because he was there. He gets COVID. He's out. Devils aren't playing hockey. And then I, I scramble to try and add Chris Drager here because again, I'm literally falling apart. I cannot get to four goalie starts. <laughs> and last week was tight too. So I'm like, I don't, I mean, for Morazic, I guess it doesn't really matter at this point. I'm just like, I'm holding on to him because I just, I was hoping maybe to see if he can come back towards the end of the year and stash him on IR once Blackwood comes back, just kind of flip those two. But 
who knows for that. Here's what I'll I'll, I'll start with the Freddie Anderson. Okay, so for the folks who are not up to date on it, Howard has drafted Freddie Anderson, even though he was on my do not draft list. I guess he skipped that one. And every week on the Fantasy Alarm show, right, he likes to plug that in there. And I just, like, I know he's not good. I know he's not good. And every once in a while, he does something like he did Saturday, where he looked really, really good and was, what, two minutes away from a shutout? And thank you, Brock Besser, for saving that. But I called him, I called him dog water, right, in the, in the playbook. And he is. He's dog water. He's not good. He's terrible. And it kind of like, here's the thing. I, I don't know if he was actually good on Saturday night or if Vancouver was that bad. Because if you can't score against Freddie Anderson with that Leafs defense, then I, I don't know who you're going to score against. And they just, they just don't look good. Elias Pettersson, again, fun stat that somebody had on Twitter. He has now hit the crossbar or goalpost seven times this season. The next closest player to him, whoever that is, has three. So... Elias Patterson is getting close, but that puck is not dropping in for him. In terms of what's going on in Florida, right? Here was my fun fact of the day. So Sergey Bobrovsky and Chris Dreiger have the exact same record of 3-0-1. So the Florida Panthers are doing well. Both goalies are 3-0-1. Bobrovsky has a 3.57 goals against average and an 881 save percentage. On the flip side, Dreiger has a 172 goals against average and a 942 save percentage. Now, again... They both have the same record. They're 3-0-1, but how they've gotten there has been very, very different. And we saw Bobrovsky just implode. When was it? Friday? Thursday. Against Nashville? Yes, Thursday. Thursday. Like, Nashville was not even close in this game. Nashville, by the way, was, I, I think going into that game, they were like sixth in shots per game, but they couldn't score goals. Right? They were like 28th. And then all they needed was to face off against Sergei Bobrovsky, and that seems to be figuring out the problem now. I I, I don't understand how I, – I mean, I do understand why. I don't know why Florida insists on doing it this way. Like, Florida wants, wants to shed money, right? Because it's a small market team, COVID, blah, 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 blah. Sh- shedding Sergei Bobrovsky in any way would be the the, the greatest magic trick ever to get any team to bite on that money or retain any of it to get him out of there would solve a lot of issues for this team. He has been terrible since signing his deal. I don't think he turns it around or at least he not in Florida and looking at these numbers, like I thought about it on Thursday for a split second playing Bobrovsky. I've thought about it. And I was like, man, I could like, this could be <laughs> it, right? This, you know, th- this bad goalie could maybe win. And I didn't play him, right? Because I had a Snickers bar and came back down to earth. And I was looking at that box score at the end of the game going, man, like, what are you doing, Sergey? Right? Florida plays Detroit now on Sunday. And yeah. I like, even if he does get that start, I wouldn't be com- I wouldn't even be comfortable enough playing him against Detroit. A team that can't score, right? Detroit's well, averaging less than two goals per game. They can't score, and no part of me is sitting there going, no, Bobrovsky's a good play. I trust him. <laughs> he is the most expensive goalie, by the way, on the Sunday DraftKings slate. Just, just put that out there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Detroit scores league-worst 1.83 goals per game. Uh, they only put 
25.5 shots on net per game. To be fair, Nashville only 2.55, and that's after putting six. I think it was six five, six, five game on Thursday. Um, I think they're 2.50. I'd have to go back and read my own work to, to validate that. But yeah. Yeah, if you can't play, if you can't play Bobrovsky today, you can't play him, right? You can't Full play stop. him ever. That's, that that, that is the end of the day. If he can't win, not just win this game, but perform reasonably. I don't even know what perform reasonably means against Detroit. No, if he, he, gets he can win. That's the problem. He is, well, he is entering. He No, not entering. He's got one foot fully in the door into the Martin Jones club where he's going to have these great win-loss records, right? And you're going to look at his stats and be like, how did you even do that? Like, what is your well, secret? He is a right. pyramid scheme. And, and to bring us back to Freddie Anderson on this, right? Freddie Anderson is the classic. If wins are the only thing that matter in your league, if they're heavily weighted against wins, he's going to look better than he is, right? But he has seven wins. He has two losses. And much of this is almost none of this has to do with his performance, right? Like he has a safe percentage over 920 this year, just three times. Yeah, he's 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 been terrible. Times. That's thirty percent of the time where he is being. Thirty. Think about it for a second, Kay. Where he's a good goalie. Not even good. Thirty percent of the time, he is the minimum required to play in the NHL. Uh, a nine hundred save percentage is the like. I'm saying stopping nine out of ten I'm, pots. I'm not, like, at, right. I'm not stopping at nine though. I'm saying like above nine thirty. Like that's what the where I kind of draw the line is. Like you are performing well when you're hitting past that mark. He's done it three times. That's it. I don't know. I just don't know what, like, if you own him in a league, I, I don't know what you do with him now. Like, you can't trade him. Nobody's taking that. Nobody's taking it. Again, unless you get 50 points for a win and every goal against is half a point, then maybe it makes sense to hold well, on to Well, I mean... He's not stopping the puck. That's the yeah. problem. To me, the goals against average doesn't matter, right? Because you could be, right? right? You look at Robin Leonard when he was in Chicago, right? He was giving up three goals a game, but he had like a 930 save percentage. You're like, okay, well, you're stopping pucks. It's just that your team in front of you is not good. Sergey Bobrovsky's not stopping pucks. He's right. not. He's he, he's not doing a good job of doing what he's paid a lot of money to do. So I, like, again, you can't trade him. And at this point, is it too early to just say, you know what, I'm just going to drop him and no. free up space for something else that happens? Right? We're one, we're we're one fifth of the way through the NHL season, right? And for for anyone who who's keeping score as to like when the NHL season's going to end, it's like they are going to push all of those games in, no matter what. Like NBC is not going to air NHL games when the Olympics start. Just end end statement. Like the the numbers don't bear out. And to be fair, I don't know if if like Rogers is going to want to do that either. So yeah, like that's you you got to play for today. And if you've got if you have Bobrovsky, you need to like you better hope Drager's still out there. So at least you have 
the good half of that timeshare? Because we saw, what, a 6-5 game Thursday with Bobrovsky against Nashville. The exact same team the next night. Florida wins 2-1. Uh, the other thing I think we need to, like, be clear about with Florida right now is this team... I don't know if this team's for real. They play, they've, they have played seven straight one-goal games. Seven. Like, that's crazy. Like, I was looking at the betting slate today. Uh, you can find that over at wagerlearn.com. Shameless plug. Um, and I was like, I think I kind of want to pick Detroit here. I didn't because it's Detroit and I'm scared. But I was like, Detroit plus 1.5 at like a one around like minus 110 when Florida plays that many close games. And possibly Bobrovsky going today. I was like, Detroit's due for a win. Uh, you can't keep winning games, like playing in one goal games. That's eventually going to separate. I was like, that might be a good line to take. Uh, and so we'll see what happens there. Um, I want to talk about Jake Ottinger a little bit in Dallas. Uh, it looks like Bishop's still six to eight weeks away from being ready to play. Uh, I think Ottinger could be a nice buy right now. Um, I don't know what they're going to do with Hudobin, but I do think if you're already having locker room issues and the coach is like, we're going to healthy scratch you today you're, and go with the rookie instead, uh, there could be a nice opportunity here. Dallas is a pretty good place to play for a goalie. Uh, they're scoring lots of goals, if nothing else. So you can, if nothing else, uh, hope for a little uh, Freddie Anderson in your game. Uh, but Ottinger comes with some pedigree. Um, any, how do you feel about maybe adding a guy like Jake Ottinger who could, if he plays well over the next week or so, end up with the lion's share of those games, at least till Bishop comes back? I think it could definitely be an interesting spot for him. I don't think, I really don't think Bishop's going to come back or be serviceable when he comes back. His body is falling apart. Like, yeah, playing the goaltending position is really tough on your knees, hips, every lower body part. And, and he's just, six foot seven. And he's six. Yeah, he's a giant to start with. So his body just seems to be falling apart. Um, for Hudobin, I, I think it's maybe just one of those things where he might have just violated a team rule of some sort. I don't think it was anything that was too serious, or at least that's not how it's been made out to be, right? And he doesn't seem to be a player that's had this kind of issue before. Maybe he overslept an alarm clock and the team is just saying, hey, everybody bites by it. So I'm hoping it's something like that. And, you know, he just takes it and says, fine, because he is, right? You probably spent an early draft pick to get him. You shouldn't have, but you did. So now you got to play him. Um, right? For Jake at that point, here's the thing. I, I, I want to know if he's going to be good or not, right? And this is kind of going to be his first... Well, I mean, he's he's played what? He started two games, right? Yeah. His numbers are decent, right? Goals against average. Again, smallest sample size you could probably get without it being a actually two and one. Yeah, he's a sub 900 save percentage. So, again, do I want to target goalies with a sub 900 save percentage? No, but I will say this, right? He does play on a very good Dallas Stars team. So, I I I don't think I I don't think we'll have to go there, which is kind of a nice thing to not have to. But if something were to happen to Hudobin where he can't keep up, and he's been 
right? Again, for Anton Kudobin, he's been average coming into the season, right? He's got a 908 save percentage, 251 goals against average. It's very respectable. I think that's who he is. I think that's the type of goalie that he is. I think what he did last season was just so out of there that people all of a sudden think he's elite, which is not the case, right? And for Ottinger, I mean, look, he's 22 years old. He's a kid, right? He's a kid. He's a former first-round pick. Can something come of it? Sure. I'm not sure what that is, but I mean, in his two two games that he's played, right? He's given up three goals, and he came in into relief against Carolina uh, and stopped all ten shots that he did. So I don't know how much I want to put trust into him, and I'd feel a lot better if Dallas just gave Hudobin as many starts as humanly possible because he is the better goalie of the two, right? And in Oninger's case, right, he played Detroit, right, faced only twenty three shots, gave up three goals, faced Columbus. And on 26 shots, gave up three goals. So it's not like he's been overworked. Again, he's 22 playing the goaltending position, which is the hardest position to play as a kid in any league. So I'll give him the benefit of the doubt and say, look, you're, you, there's learning curves and you're going to need them. But do I want to rely on him in fantasy hockey? I don't want to, is what I'm saying. If I have to, I'll do it. But I'd much rather not have to go down that route. Yeah, he's a player that I don't mind using a spec, like a speculative add-on, especially if you are allowed to use the IR, right? So, like, I have a league um, where I just threw... Uh, I was like, oh, ESPN lets me take COVID players and put them on the IR. That's awesome. So I had Drew Bauer on, put him on the IR. I grabbed Ottinger for today and said, yeah. this is a winnable game. Let's see what happens, right? Because much like you i've got guys like tristan jari who have been awful uh, and it's good spots for him as well too if you're gonna match up against the team that he plays against right i mean sh- yeah i mean it's chicago fine chicago can score some goals but outside i mean columbus hasn't played well this season detroit is yeah. detroit and nashville's taking shots and not scoring goals so there's a lot of good spots for him to play those are probably right. the games that he's gonna play a lot i mean i'm not rolling him out against tampa bay uh, or Carolina, but I yeah, think those he's, are sets. <laughs> yeah, yeah, those are. I mean, they're they're really tough matchups, right? So I I don't want to roll him out there. And again, I think the more he plays, the more he gets confident. I think the more that the Dallas Stars get healthy as well, that's going to be a big difference for him as well. So Jamie Ben back in the lineup. We'll see if Radulov plays today or not. But in general, I think he's safe. And again, he's a big boy as well. He's six five. Yep. Dallas loves goalies that are tall. That's, it's, I guess it's just one of those things that they enjoy. So, I mean, he's a young kid, big frame. If he can play well, then sure. But again, I just, I don't want to get caught in that position where I feel like I need to have him on my team, on my fantasy team, and I need to start him in key, in key positions. For sure. Um, although, again, I feel like we're in desperate times type space with, with a lot of so goalies. Desperate. COVID obviously makes it doesn't help this because, you know, we're really going to explore that. Like you're, we're going to see lots of odd goalies getting getting starts in fantasy this year because of this. Where it's like, uh, I don't know. Every like I like surely teams, there are going to be situations where it's like, hey, I didn't have any starters this week because they're all on the COVID list. I need somebody. So, uh, yeah, I mean. Goalies are again. Goalies are voodoo. We'll, I'll stand by that for life. 
uh, until something wants to prove me otherwise. So um, the next one here, uh, when is it that we get to stop? I, I guess I'm going to phrase this in two ways. When do we get to stop talking about McDavid? And when do we want to stop talking about McDavid? Because I'm not like McDavid, like McDavid's a lot of fun to watch. He's a lot of like, he's certainly, which makes him also pretty fun to talk about. Uh, Oilers only played two games this week, but they get uh, to face uh, the Ottawa Senators again. Uh, I believe three times this week again. So uh, we'll like, the other thing I will note here, and this was really interesting. I saw this morning from Elliot Friedman was that the Oilers put McDavid and Dreisaitl on the ice last night for the last five plus, like five minutes and 42 seconds of the game. It's like, what? It's like, (laughs) there's that, that's yeah, but that's, that's how the Oilers are going to be competitive, right? Like, think about it. McDavid is elite every night he takes the ice with the exception of maybe a couple of times here and there where I don't know, the puck just doesn't go in for him. Right. Well, and, five straight multi-point games. Yeah. I mean, he, he doesn't stop. He doesn't stop. He played, he played 28 minutes last night against Calgary, <laughs> 28 minutes. Like you have to, at this point, the Edmonton Oilers are going to be amazing, okay? Because think about this for a second, and we've talked about this before. But McDavid and Dreisaitl are on pace for 100 points this season. They're on pace, okay? Assuming they maintain that pace, which is not impossible. We may see two players with 100 points in a shortened season and their team miss the playoffs. Yep. Like, that's... N- nowhere else could that be possible to think of right where you have played like 100 points in 82 games sure absolutely possible these two players can do it 100 times out of 100 right but in this shortened season with the fact that they get to play ottawa a whole bunch they get to play vancouver a bunch they get to play calgary but like they just like this this north division is just it's it reminds me of kind of like junior hockey where defense is optional and you just watch kids score goals left, right, and center. Like, I feel like I'm just watching games out of the OHL or the Q where, like, defense is just something they talk about, right? You you don't actually practice it. We just, you know, you scored six, I'm just going to score seven. Oh, you scored seven, I'm going to score eight. And you just keep scoring goals until the first team to get the highest number before the time runs out wins. (laughs) That's, That's basically what I'm watching here. But... For McDavid, like even yesterday, right? Because I, I had to watch a couple of clips of him play. Like even on the penalty that he got for goaltender interference, it's a trip, right? But he's so fast and he's so north-south down the ice. There's no way the referee sees that in real time. And I mean, shout out to Markstrom for getting up, right? Because that's a yeah. train and a half that he has to deal with, right? McDavid's not a small body either. And he skates what? Like thirty kilometers an hour, like this, like you can't stop it. But he, like he, regularly makes NHL defensemen look average. He skates north south quicker than any player I've ever seen, and the fact that he played twenty eight minutes last night is a sign that in Edmonton they got nobody outside of these two, nobody, and they're just gonna run these two into the ground. Like Trisaitl played twenty seven minutes, and his game didn't even go to overtime. Like there's yeah. not even like you had an extra five minutes where they can literally play four of those minutes. So 
I am going to uh, make one very small correction here. It's just because this is fascinating. Uh, with the technology out there, like David's speed has is typically clocked above forty kilometers an hour. For, my apologies for, to Connor McDavid. And for, and and for our American friends, that's twenty-five miles an hour. Just think about it. Get in your car, drive for like drive forty kilometers an hour, and then imagine McDavid right next to you. You're like, nah. Yeah, like nah, that can't be. Or imagine being a goalie. Imagine you're in your goalie stuff and you see a car driving forty kilometers an hour towards you, and you're like, wait a minute, this might not end well for me. Yeah, like I mean, the easy, the easiest way to contextualize that: go stand on a street and think about like a car driving by you, right? That's pretty much McDavid skating. Like if you're in a city, fifty kilometers at least in Ontario, that's your normal like city speed, forty kilometers an hour driving by you that's that's mcdavid that's that's insane um, even in their game yesterday like against calgary right i think it was i think mcdavid had the second goal of that game so he he takes the puck from his own zone he skates through the neutral zone he pushes both defense like these defensemen are so far back because they're terrified of being a highlight reel yeah. like they're so afraid they're like hey we're just gonna give him as much space as possible coming towards us and he'll close that gap like he crosses the blue line loses the puck to his right but the defensemen are skating back so quickly and so fast like Edmonton still has possession he loses the puck at the opposing blue line and still is the first player to recuperate at that point play goes around a little bit bang 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 they give McDavid way too much ice right if you give him two inches he is going to bury you takes the puck buries it top shelf it's 2-1 at that point, Oilers. And I'm like, okay, well, that's very vintage McDavid here on the power play. Like, there's there's nothing they could have done at that point to slow him down. And there's nothing you really can do. It. That's the scary thing about it. People on Twitter were like, oh, is Austin Matthews better than Connor McDavid? I'm sitting no. there, I'm going, what is this Not conversation we're having? I know it's Sunday, but please have your coffee first. I mean, again, Austin Matthews is really good. He embarrassed whatever he was, <laughs> whoever he is, yesterday on his nice goal. But, like, Austin Matthews does not skate like Connor McDavid. Nobody skates like Connor McDavid. And that's what sets him so far apart from every other player in the league. And, again, he's, I, I know we've said this, he, he looks like he's too good for this league. He reminds me of a kid who's probably like 8 or 10, who's hit his growth spurt and is just physically stronger and faster than everybody else on his team and in the league, and he's just torching them. And, I mean, you can't slow him down. You can't. I, I don't know how. If I, I, I'm sure there are other coaches who feel the same way when they see, you know, Edmonton on the schedule, right? So Ottawa, and then they look and they say, okay, well, now what do we do, right? Like... Ottawa's entire lineup looking at him going like, well, do we break his leg? Like, what do we like? What do we do here? How do we how do we not deal with him? Right. And the answer is. You just I don't know what the answer is, because I think because it's not somebody. I'll I'll tell you something. It's not Eric Gabranson. It's not Nikita Zaitsev. (laughs) We're going to slow him down. Right. No offense to those two, but. I mean, when you see McDavid coming down that left side or right side, and he's bla- and, he, and he's blaming forty kilometers an hour, and your name's Eric Goodbranson. <laughs> like, you might just want to turtle in a corner and say, "Okay, fine. Here, just go around me. Just don't make me look bad." 
just lay yourself out, like back yourself up as much as possible, and just lay just lay yourself. He out. has to pivot in the neutral zone and start skating full sprint backwards just to be able to keep up with McDavid. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, I mean, it is what it is, right? Like the the North Division is full on feast or famine. I mean, we get. Uh, I personally get these occasional glimmers of hope when like Ottawa shows up and they, they manage to like beat Montreal. They show up and they manage to beat Toronto who are, I think easily the two best teams in that division right now. I don't think it's even close to be honest. Like Calgary is not good. Edmonton's not good. Vancouver's not good. Winnipeg has been okay. They're going to get, uh, I think Dubois makes his debut on Tuesday We'll see what that does to the lineup. I mean, so I mean, there's a lot of teams that can score, and then there's like, I feel like then there's Calgary and Ottawa who are like, maybe we can try this out sometime. But, but yeah, well, Calgary uh, just has to face off against Edmonton a few more times. Yeah, and it should be okay because <laughs> Miko Koskinen is not stopping pucks either. Yeah. It's amazing this entire North Division. Like you're just looking at some goalies and you're going, man, you guys are not going to stop anything, are you? Like it's it's just it's so bad. And even yesterday, poor Braden Holpe, like he gets again, he gets obliterated. I'm not not surprised now, but he's got an eight eighty eight save percentage and a three eighty three goals against average. He's played seven games. Thatcher Demko hasn't done better because he keeps getting lit up because he plays, you know, the same position for the same team. And I mean Well, and like Vancouver doesn't help themselves, they're the most penalized team in the league. Uh, so like having to, like having to, to face the, the power plays of teams like, like Toronto's power plays over 40%, or at least it was like going into the weekend. Edmonton is certainly capable of the same. Uh, it's just going to get messy, right? And you're going to lose games. You're going to have a lot of goals, especially when you have average to below average goaltending. And especially Um, in Edmonton's case here, like. Miko Koskinen has started 12 of 13 games because Mike Smith is hurt, right? Yeah. He's given up 42 goals already this season, right? He's got an 889 save percentage. They like Stuart Skinner's not going to do anything. I had to, like, I literally had to Wikipedia him to know who he was and, you know, what's going on there. So, like, Edmonton has no goaltending, right? They're just running Koskinen out there because he is a body who is healthy. Their defense doesn't play defense. We all know that. They're just six guys who play a little bit farther back than the forwards do. And supporting cast for Edmonton, there's there's nobody. There's there's nobody. If you're not running well, McDavid and Dreisaitl out a whole bunch, you're not going to get much for anybody else. Nugent Hopkins is alive, sure. But we've seen a little... Been, uh, little appearances of Jesse Pugliarvi from time to time. Sure. I mean, it was nice to see him score some goals. Thanks for coming to the party. But, I mean, in their top five in scoring, right, for the Edmonton, right, Nugent Hopkins is third. He's got 11 points. Darnell Nurse has 10 points. Tyson Berry has 10 as well. Like, you have two defensemen who, again, defensively, that's not what they do well. They're more offensive guys. And then after that, I mean, Adam Larson is in your top 10 in points. (laughs) <laughs> and I don't think Adam Larson, like, he doesn't get points. He kind of, they just hit him and they go in. Or, right. you know, he, he he gave the pass to McDavid in his own zone at his own red line. 
And then McDavid just skates up the ice and buries it. That's that's how I'm assuming he gets his points, right? But again, and it says something as well when you look at McDavid, right? Like he's got 26 points. He's an even zero. So he's doing all this. And yet, you know, either he's doing it on the power play or he's still on the ice when his team gives up goals, which is fine. You're you're not asking him to play defense. You you want McDavid with the puck on his stick and you want him to go up, right? Not the same story for Leon Dreisaitl. Leon Dreisaitl defensively has been good if you care about the stat. Right? It's plus eleven. So that's it's 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 weird because you look at I, I think Dreisaitl's line has played better altogether. I think McDavid's line needs to get a little bit better or at least more responsible defensively, if that's the term I want to use correctly. And if you're going to start breaking those two up because you need offense and you need something to contribute because you're getting blown open every night, then you're going to get even less defense out of it. And it's not their bottom six that's going to stop anybody from scoring. So there's a real problem in Edmonton, and I don't know what the solution is for them apart from needing a goalie and a defense and a supporting cast. <laughs> and maybe yeah. a plank of wood. <laughs> like, Yeah, I don't... I mean, I don't even know what they do, right? Like, uh, they struggle to move the puck out of their own end, which is obviously a huge problem that should be for a team that should be playing the style that, they're, that they should be playing. Um, but... Like, they also have zero as of today. Well, right. So, so, so they got so a... The good folks over at Cat Friendly have given us that. They're using up $3.6 million in long-term, in, in long-term injury reserve. So they have zero cap space as of today as well. So that's... I mean, that's not problematic, right? There's nothing here that seems to be uh, a problem for them. And they're also <laughs> paying Nico Koskinen $4.5 million. So... Uh, yeah. I mean, outside of doing something that is along the lines of like, we're going to trade Tyson Berry to somebody who needs offense and get somebody who can play defense in return. Um, like, there's just there's not a lot of moves to be made here, right? Like, they're, they're going to shed $4.1 million, $4. million of Adam Larson this offseason. Uh, that worked out well. Um. <laughs> really well. Like they just, there's just nothing to do here, right? Like you're gonna lose that. You're gonna lose, you know, two point one million dollars of Alex Chason. You got, you still gotta sign Nugent Hopkins and Kaylee Yamamoto's an RFA this this uh, coming off season. So yeah, I think they can't sign Nugent Hopkins. There's probably no real way to do that Um, because you probably don't want to hold that six million dollars as he's the closest to thirty. So you maybe see him moved at the trade deadline as well to free up cap space but yeah they're they're not a playoff team they're like i don't see a world in which they end up like where the edmonton oilers find a way to get into the top four in this division right like they may just score their way to to that position so like I I so I'll get like Toronto Montreal are in. I'll give Winnipeg the same thing. I'm just going to assume they're in again because 
you know, this division doesn't play defense, right? So Ottawa is, we could just remove them from there. Um, We can remove Vancouver at one point. This team's going to topple over. They've already played 15 games. They have a four, like they're six and nine. They're not getting better. Calgary is four games in hand on them. They're one point behind them right now. So to to me, in my mind, it's going to be a battle between Edmonton and Calgary for that last spot. Yeah. And if push comes to shove at some point, Calgary just needs decent goaltending and they'll be able to make it, right? If they can just play better as a team collectively, right? Their their goaltending is set. I think they have a good goalie. Defensively, they're they're good. Not great, but they're they're good. And offensively, they have pieces who can, who can like who can score goals. Like Johnny Gaudreau's doing well this season. Yeah. He's alive. He's doing stuff. So I mean Again, would I be shocked that Edmonton makes the playoffs? No, because you're just going to outscore everybody to get there. But then what do you do in the first round, right? Assuming it's 1-4, right, and Toronto finishes first, like, man, that's going to be a series and a half at that point because it's just going to be like, hey, who scores more goals? Is it Matthews and Marner or is it McDavid and Dreisaitl? (laughs) And who can block the more shots and help their goalies out? Like, we might see the goalies finish that series, right? Hope maybe they play seven. And after the seven games, goalies have a like a sub 856 percentage. Yeah. The, I mean, the, the biggest difference here between those two teams, right, is that it's like Toronto does get contribution from John Tavares. Toronto has, right. is right now getting lots of contribution from players like Wayne Simmons. You got William Nylander. Like Toronto's got a lot. Got Jason a lot of Spencer, Don't there. forget about him. Yes, absolutely. No one should ever forget about Jason Spezza. And his um, hat trick that he had earlier in the week. Shout out to yeah. Jason Spezza for <laughs> rolling back the clock here. When I looked at the yeah. box score, I was like, wait a minute, what year am I in? How far back did we go? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I do think Calgary is the better team. I think Calgary has better depth than, ultimately has better depth than what Edmonton has. I mean, Markstrom is obviously better than, than Koskinen. And the other thing about Calgary is that they made changes, right? Like teams that made a lot of changes in the off season are going to suffer with no preseason. Um, you know, they're. I, I think Calgary is going to get better as the season goes on. They're at least, you know, playing essentially 500 hockey. Well, exactly 500 hockey. They have a positive goal differential. Um, so ultimately, I think Cal- it is Calgary's spot. Edmonton. I think Edmonton is just going to be erratic. Edmonton's going to lose games they shouldn't lose because, you know, they're because they can't defend and they don't have any goaltending. Right. At the end of the day, like if if McDavid hits uh, an Elias Pettersson streak where he just, you know, nails the the post consistently, Edmonton's going to have problems. So not even on that level. Like if McDavid just gets one point. And Dreisaitl assists on that same goal that he gets. Yeah. Like, like then what? Like that? Like right. what happens? Like they they fall apart. Exactly. Um, it's it's thin ice. Edmonton's just. I think I saw somebody note or, or tweet as well. Like, imagine how good Edmonton would be if they still had Jeff Petrie, if they still had Taylor Hall, if they still had like there was like six like top flight players right now that Edmonton moved out uh, and 
they have nothing to show for it other than we then we have the two best players in the league um keeping things moving here though uh take a look at next week uh, we talked about ottawa and edmonton that's probably a disaster again but i mean i don't know edmonton or ottawa managed to win a game against montreal the second game was close well the score was close i imagine the game wasn't all that close um uh otherwise we get uh san jose's at vegas vegas just ate uh the kings alive friday night it wasn't close it was like out of hand quickly um I always have high amounts of shares of Max Pacioretty. That is just who I am at this point in time. Uh, I had had him in a in a in a cash game on uh, FanDuel, and he was ten percent owned. I was like, "How on a night like tonight is Max Pacioretty only ten percent owned?" Um, but there was obviously that was, that was money in the bank. Um, Every time you play Max Pacioretty, it's money in the bank. Like, it's just... Well, there's just no reason not to. Like, he was priced under 7K on D- on DK that night. Um, like Even if shoots. he was 9K, at this point, the volume of shots that he takes... Yeah. Is it... Like, they've played... Vegas has played eight games before they play Sunday's game here. He has 39 shots on goal. In his last two games, even though they've been spread out, right, because of COVID, yeah. he has... 15 shots on goal. He has 15 shots on goal. Like they've hit the goal in two games and that's translated to three goals and three assists, right? Three goals against St. Louis, three assists against LA. So even in a game where he gets three assists, okay, which means he's passed the puck, he still has seven shots on goal. Yeah. Like I, like I don't know what to do with him anymore. Like that there's just, he's so, he's so good at, firing pucks on goal and it's it's just it's mind-boggling i know like mark stone's pretty good too i'm not going to take anything away from him he's got 13 points in eight games he's 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 doing it you know he's doing what he needs to do but like mark stone is 18 shots 18 (laughs) mark stone doesn't shoot like mark stone Uh, doesn't shoot and his shooting percentage is all right right i think it's livable ish Maybe it gets better as time moves on, but like Stone hasn't hit what he has not hit. I think five shots this season. So if you're playing on DraftKings, you're never going to get that shot bonus because he's just not taking a volume of shots that are needed. And that's that might be not his fault because he's playing with Patrick, right? So right. I think the, the the which is not surprising either to see Stone with ten assists in eight games as well, right? He's feeding the puck to Patrick and Patrick is doing what he needs to do: score goals. Pacioretty does have all his goals, though, in two games. So, I'll no, sorry, not all in two games. Sorry. Uh, he's got, it, it was the one in St. Louis where he scored half his goals at that point. So, he yeah, scored three his goals. three goals at that point. Um, but, I, again, coming back to what we're looking at here, Vegas and San Jose, I think San Jose is going to get eaten alive. They got, they gave, that, that was an absolute head scratcher because I put the, I put the playbook together as well on, on the Saturday and you have San Jose and Anaheim facing off against each other to you know Anaheim can't score goals and they put up a four spot against San Jose against Martin Jones and he said okay well Devin Dubnik's coming in and 
Ryan Miller's coming in, and these two are not good at stopping pucks, and we should see another banger of a game, and it finishes 2-1 in a shootout, and you're sitting there going, you know, hockey's dumb. It makes no sense. Why do I even bother? But I, I mean... I don't see how San Jose slows down Vegas even a little bit. You were right. Vegas ate the LA Kings alive on the ice. LA just looked like they didn't deserve to be there. And that's still a team, you know, that has Anse Kopitar who's been playing really well here. Now you get San Jose coming out who Eric Carlson refuses to play defense or play meaningful hockey. So he's going to get eaten alive as well. Brent Burns is trying to turn the corner, but it's not coming. And the rest of that San Jose team is just, not great, right? Patrick Marlowe's found his way back up onto the second line, so it must be 1997 again. You need to know. Yeah, it's that kind of sums it up, right? When Patrick Marlowe is out there with an oxygen tank trying to keep up with whoever he's playing with, I, I, I fear for them. I do. As for Ottawa, I just, I, I fear every time they hit the ice against Edmonton. Uh, is there, you know, do I have enough exposure to? Connor McDavid when it's at 100% or do I need more like I don't understand you know what to do with it but with yeah when they played that the game against them last week uh, I think it was on Monday as well and I was like well it was on Tuesday actually because Tuesday uh, I, I was on I was on the radio with uh with Howard and Jim and the question essentially was like can you play them both and the answer was can you afford not to play them both right they're, they're just and the ownership was like 50% and 40%, which means, no, you couldn't afford not to play them both. Uh, I mean, or you punt, right? You just don't play DFS that night because, like, if the the game will be just, like, the, the winners that night will be decided based on uh, how you manage to fill in the rest of your lineup and how it ultimately performs because you're spending a huge percentage of your salary on those two, uh, and there's no way around it. Right. Like you, you just couldn't avoid it. And that was exactly how it played out as well when you go and you look at the winners. So, um, yeah. Any, any other, any other matchups that really stand out? The, the other thing I'm, I'm noting, there were some I left off here just because I don't know, like, like the COVID situation as we move further into the week. I think we potentially have more cancellations, different cancellations. Um, but essentially everyone against Ottawa. Winnipeg also gets two games against Ottawa this week, which, uh, you know, Winnipeg, Winnipeg is also not afraid to score goals. Uh, we'll see how, you know, Pierre-Luc Dubois fits into that lineup, uh, how he likes moving back into, into with his parents, as his dad is a coach on uh, with the Manitoba Moose. <laughs> that I believe he's, uh, for at least for a time, going to be living with his parents. Uh, so, yeah. Um, Anything else you want to note this this week, Chris? I'm just excited to watch games from the North Division because it's going to be loaded with goals. And that's <laughs> that's all I really want to watch. I, I mean, not that the other divisions don't offer some type of quality hockey, but I I get excited to watch you know teams just try to find a way to stop each other and not do it at all. Again, it's that there's no defense being played in the North Division. None. It's it's optional. Um, the goal is to score as many goals as humanly possible. I'm assuming there's coaches who try to come up with a game plan and say, hey, why don't we limit this player? And then it just becomes a track meet. And to be honest, I was a little bit, I mean, shout out to the Edmonton Oilers who keep, not the Edmonton, sorry, the Ottawa Senators who are keeping it a 2-1 game against Montreal, right? They, they played well. I'll give Ottawa the credit where credit is due. They, 
you know, they contained Montreal's offense. They were on the road as well. And and I think for Senator fans, like even though they lost, like it, it wasn't a blowout game for them, right? They played well yeah. in their two games against Montreal. I'll give them that, right? On Thursday and Saturday. They they played well and they walked out with, you know, a win. And in both games they were they were good. They they weren't, you know, this wasn't where they dominated for long stretches. They just they played well. And after the West Coast trip that they had having to play Edmonton and Vancouver and just like they got slaughtered out west. They got slaughtered yeah. by Van- like they got slaughtered by Vancouver, who couldn't score against anybody. Right. They gave up seven one night. They gave up five the other. They gave up four in the game. They played them three times. Then they go to Edmonton. Edmonton slaughters them once. And then they only score four. How nice of Edmonton to lay off the gas pedal, you know, after saying, okay, well, we've scored, you know, 12 goals against them. Let's not add a 13th here. But again, then they traveled to Montreal and they played, they, no, sorry, they played one in Ottawa, if I'm not mistaken. And they played one back in uh, Montreal. So th- again, they did what they needed to do, they played better. Um, maybe they, you know, maybe this time with Ottawa coming, uh, not Ottawa, sorry. Maybe this time with Edmonton coming east to Ottawa, it won't be the same story, but I, I think it will be, I, I, yeah, I'm trying to be nice to Ottawa, but like on the back of my mind, I'm like, just like, I'm just going to (laughs) try to build my, my lineup. I'm going to try to build my Monday lineup ahead and try to go through many different combinations of how do I fit McDavid and Dreisaitl in without having to roster James Neal as well. Yeah. Uh, one last thing, just to put this into context. Okay. Uh, the, the most goals scored across any team not in the North Division is 40. In the North Division, there are four teams that have scored 45 or more, and Winnipeg scored 39. Yeah, that's close. <laughs> That's close. I, mean, I think Vancouver's given up what? 50? 60, 55? 60. 60 goals. Oh, I'm the big 60. Think about what? 60 goals in 15 games? Yep. That's right. And, and they thought and they thought Braden Holby was the solution. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Ottawa's given up 52 and 12. Wow. Uh, Edmonton's given up 49 in 13. Wow. The Imagine other... when you're Edmonton, like, think about it. You're Edmonton. You've played, what, one extra game and you've given up three less than Ottawa barely has yeah. a team that they can roster. That's like... right. And the other four teams, Montreal, Toronto, Winnipeg, and Calgary, are all in, like, the low 30s. Which makes sense. Shout out to Jake Allen, by the way. He's been really good for Montreal. <laughs> so, I mean, he's come in and done exactly what I think I want him to do, which is, you know, pick up. It's it's weird to see Carey Price struggling a little bit here and the team not collapsing around him. Like, it's, yeah, I don't understand. It's like Price is allowed to be off and the rest of the team will come to his defense and kind of pick up his slack. That's uh, that's weird, but I'm I'm glad that happens sometimes. Yeah. We'll see how sustainable that is. I mean, I don't like, is it two years of Jake Allen or just one? Uh, I think it's two it's just for Jake Allen. I think he's got one year. No, I think he's got one year left on his deal. Yeah. But so. he's definitely playing well enough to merit a stay should he want to stay and back up. And I think the the more he plays like this and gives the team a chance to win every night, Considering what Montreal had to live previously with their backup goalies being unable to win games, maybe he pockets a little bit more money than another team is willing to give him. And if he knows he's going to, you know, yes, he'll be a backup, but he'll be able to 
get in maybe a decent amount of games in an 82 game season. Maybe he plays 35 or some some odd games, which is not impossible. Yeah, backup goalie to do. I, I sense he probably finds himself in a starting role somewhere next year, uh, whether that be in you know Buffalo or you know any number of other spots where they need a number one goalie. Detroit, Carolina, uh, F- Florida, but obviously that's that's funnier than yeah. it is. Than Again, it is if it's, in my theory, if he's going that far, the money's got to be really good for him to say, "Okay, I'll go play and like I'll yeah. I'll go here it's, and get throttled." Right? Like, I think you got to be giving him good money and good term. Yeah, I think it's probably. I mean, we'll uh, the money part will be interesting. I think we're going to continue to see the money part be interesting because I think teams aren't going to want to spend. We saw that this offseason outside of like Vegas, who was like, yeah, money. We print this stuff in Vegas, right? Um, Only fitting that Vegas is just handing out checks to to players and saying, yeah, not a problem. Come yeah. on in. By the way, when Petra Angelo, when we're healthy, we can only ice five defensemen because we're over the cap and no one's, we haven't been able to move anybody yet. Um, so, yeah. Um, yeah, we'll see what happens there, but uh we should get out of here we we are close to an hour this time i really expected uh hate mail from john because he had to actually like edit and put, post the podcast last week i didn't get it so uh kudos to john for showing restraint uh but we'll be back with you again uh next same next same time next week so have a great week everybody and good luck with your goalie situations